Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. And now here's your host, Eric Danner. Welcome to this week's WAC Podcast. My name is Eric Danner with friend of the show, celebrity guest co-host, Chris Thompson, joining us once again. Chris, thanks for filling in again. I think we're going to have a permanent uh, host here in the next couple of weeks, so we surely appreciate you coming in. So so this is my pink slip. This is my two-week <laughs> notice. Got it. Well, yes, since okay. you're a friend of the show, since you have that distinction, means we'll have you back on at other times. So oh, okay. I don't know if so, that's good or bad for your schedule or not. But. Yeah, so you'll beg me to come on when you need me. <laughs> Got it. Good. Happy to be on. Big week of whack football, Chris. And we, we talked about this for going on a year now, Battle of the Piney Woods. October 2nd, NRG Stadium in Houston. We had a chance to go there when the big announcement was made of the expansion of the four Texas schools, and we got a little flavor of what that's like. Of course, that was back in January. Now that it's October, it's kind of a different story. It's it's a big deal between Stephen F. Austin and Sam Houston. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't know about the Battle of Piney Woods uh, this time last year. I just, I just didn't know, but... Um, it, it's been really exciting kind of learning about it and the rivalry with SFA and Sam Houston and and uh, seeing on Twitter kind of the back and forth. And I've seen uh, our, our buddies, uh, Coach Colby there and, and uh, Nacogdoches is kind of riling up the, the Bearcats a little bit. So, you know, I think it's I think it's fun. And I think one of the things that makes it this year is you have two really good football teams that are that are going to be headed to Houston on Saturday. I have a chance to talk to Casey Keeler, the Sam Houston head coach, in our next segment. And one of the things he said, Chris, was he advises his guys to stay off social media this week. That That's probably smart. Um, at Media Day, Casey talked about uh, his first Battle of the Piney Woods yes. game and that he was walking off with uh, athletic director Bobby Williams like, I, you, did, you did not tell <laughs> me about this. You did not tell me how much hate there is in this yes. stadium. Um, but you know, it, it's a, it's a great thing for those programs. It's a great thing for, uh, whack football. It's a great thing for FCS football. I think it's a great thing for the Houston Texans in the Houston area in terms of, uh, giving that community another fun event to be involved in. Uh, I, nothing, nothing there. And, and, the the Houston Texans folks that we worked with around our announcement, mm-hmm. they're excited about it as well. They love this weekend. They're, they're super excited, uh, to, to get that rocking in and they have the tailgates going on and there's music and there's bands. And it's, it's one of those things where the game's almost an afterthought behind everything. Like, Hey, there's a Super Bowl. Like, Oh yeah, we have game to play. All right. All right. Well, let's get that out of the way so we can get to halftime. It is the oldest college rivalry in Texas football. So that that's, tells that's you that's saying something right there. It, it goes back to the 1920s. Uh, the Bearcats have won, I think the last nine in a row. Yeah. So the lumberjacks, of course, chomping at the bit to, uh, erase that uh, long, long winning streak they have. But at the same time, I mean, SFA, 3-1, and one, only lost to Texas Tech, a game they could have arguably won in uh, at Texas Tech, whereas Sam Houston, they've been rolling as well. So this, I mean, should be probably the marquee game of the week in all of FCS, not just in the WAC. Yeah, I think uh, Trey Self to Xavier Gibson against that uh, Sam Houston <laughs> defensive backfield, uh, that's my matchup right there. I mean, there's a lot of real matchups there to look at, but uh, there there's some good players there at, in Nacogdoches, and and maybe they don't get quite as much credit uh, because they're they're 
what their schedule was, and, and people are like, wow, you know, who have they played? Well, they played Texas Tech. They played them tough. They played yeah. them tough yeah. in Lubbock in front of 50,000 people. Like, that's who they've played. Uh, so I think this is a big opportunity for, for SFA to really uh, step up and, and show that they're for real. And, you know, who knows if they will? Uh, Sam Houston could blow them out. It could be a three-point game. SFA could get the upset win. Who knows? But that that's the fun part about this game and, and why I'm excited to tune in on Saturday. That'll be a 4 o'clock kickoff Central time. It'll be on Bally's uh, locally there in the Houston area and ESPN Plus around the country. So you definitely want to check that one out. Our, our players of the week uh, this week, Chris, uh, speaking of Sam Houston, Eric Schmidt, uh, he, he continues to uh, pick up where he left off last year as a national champion. Four touchdown passes. In a big win at Central Arkansas, a big win in terms of this AQ7, a, a team that was ranked in the top 25. And Sam Houston really jumped on them early. Uh, Central Arkansas kind of got back in the game late, but uh, they still won. Uh, I, I don't know if I want to say easily, but a good win for Sam Houston. Yeah, it was a good win. And I think you look at the stats and the stats that obviously got him the, the award that happened in the first half. But I think late in the fourth quarter when they really needed to kind of slow him down move the ball, take control of the game, get the ball down the field and get a score. That's where having Eric Schmidt as your quarterback really helps out uh, because he's able to keep the team kind of focused and, um, you know, not not necessarily saying they're the same type of quarterback, but one of the things in the Denver market that we've been talking about is Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> with the Broncos where you have this team and, and just having that kind of calming presence in the huddle. And I think Eric Schmidt does that for the Bearcats in terms of they have all the talent in the world. Everybody knows that. Uh, but Eric kind of keeps them focused of, hey, we need to worry about this play. This is what we need to do. Let's go out and do it. And he's a true true dual-threat quarterback. He right. can run. He can throw. He's got a great arm. Uh, they got some really nice receivers. And Ramon Jefferson uh, behind him to, to hand the ball off to. That doesn't hurt either. Uh, 400 yards in three games, uh, fifth in rushing in just three games total yards. That, that's not even mentioning yards per game and yards per carry where he's up near the, the top of the nation in those categories. Yeah. Uh, uh, when you're game planning for the Sam Houston offense, I don't know what what you're trying <laughs> to do. Let's stop the pass. Okay, well, Ramon Jefferson's going to – is going to go off for you know 150 200 yards rushing okay well let's control the run all right well now Jaquez Ezzard is going to have 200 yards receiving um but yeah I, I don't know what you're going to do and by the way you're going against some offensive linemen that uh, there's a lot of FBS teams out there would love to have and Seth Morgan uh, the kicker a second time he got the special teams player of the week brought to you by Ticket Smarter he's another weapon that you don't typically see uh, you know, an automatic type of kicker maybe uh, in college football like you do in the NFL um, and maybe at some, some uh, you know, uh, FBS, maybe Power 5 type programs. He, uh, knock on wood or whatever you do for so you don't have the jinx, I don't think he's missed this year. No, he's 17 for 17 <laughs> on extra points. He's 4 for 4 on field goals. Uh, he was 3 for 3 on field goals last week at Central Arkansas. Uh, he has been, you know, a freshman. He did play in the in the spring, so he gets that year back. So he's kind of one of those. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we call him super freshman. I know we've had super <laughs> seniors in the past. Super freshman. Yeah, we, he, we almost need another distinction. Like right. Redshirt freshman, super freshman. Right. right. So not a true freshman. Not really a redshirt freshman. Kind of a super freshman, <laughs> I guess, is what we'll stick with. Um, you know, he gets to go home. He's from Houston, so he gets to to kick at NRG Stadium this week, which. One of the things he didn't get to do last year in right. his true freshman year was play 
uh, in the Battle of the Piney Woods there at Energy Stadium. So I'm sure it's going to be really, really cool for him uh, to be able to be kicking on those on the NFL field, NFL uprights, and in, in, a, in a stadium like that and an event like that. And this was the first time last year they didn't play. Uh, Stephen F. played a fall schedule. Sam Houston, of course, played in the spring and won the national championship. It was the first time they hadn't played, I believe, since World War II. Uh, that they hadn't played. So that adds up to the hype even more this week. Our uh, whack Ticket Smarter Defensive Player of the Week goes to Greg Eggleston Jr. Uh, Tarleton defensive back had two picks in the Texans' win over New Mexico Highlands. Yeah, you know, good effort. And, and obviously you get two interceptions. That's a, that's a big thing. And his interceptions came um, at, at very important times. One, I think it was uh, New Mexico Highlands. It was either their first or second drive of the game. Right. So he was able to kind of stop them there. And then their last drive of the game where he was really able just to kind of give it to the offense, let him kneel it down and, and get away with the win. So not only did the freshman get two picks, but he got two picks when they really needed him. So some other uh, big games uh, coming up this week, Tarleton traveling to Eastern Kentucky. Central Arkansas, who we just saw play Sam Houston, they are now at Abilene Christian, who hammered Lamar last week 56 to nothing. So the Wildcats are, are making their mark as well as kind of Stephen F. and Sam Houston have the big billing this week, but that's kind of a, a sneaky big game as well, Chris. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch that game. I think kind of depending on how uh, SFA and Sam Houston's going, I'll probably have the split screen going there on ESPN+. Plus, But you know, Abilene Christian, I saw them play live at SMU. They, you know, went against a very, very good SMU team. Um, but since then, they've rattled off uh, three straight wins, and, and they have the offense to do it. They have the defense to do it. And I, I think against Central Arkansas, they're just going to be able to um, really show whether or not they're for real or not. And, Chris, the other uh, game this week, Dixie State, Playing yet another uh, top ten team going to South Dakota State this week. Yeah, um, I would I would love to say that the Trailblazers have a chance this week, but uh, you know I I think it's really hard to say. But hey, all of the credit in the world to Dixie State uh, in, in putting together this schedule and and that they've had this week. They they play Montana. I think it's next week. You know they're going out and playing, and they're seeing the teams that they can emulate as they build this FC, F, FCS program of what they want to be. They're going and playing the best. They're seeing what kind of athletes those are, what they're doing, what schemes they're against. And not only in the game, but on tape, when they're when they're breaking it down, both the games they played and their next opponent, they're seeing what the top of the FCS has. Um, and, and I think that will play dividends for Dixie State down the line. Yeah, they, they've already played Weber State. They've already played UC Davis. Now they're playing South Dakota State, and then they get to play Montana. Uh, I, I don't think they're looking ahead to any games at this they've point. They've got Delaware on the schedule. They've yeah, got Missouri yeah. State on the schedule. And oh, by Sam the way, Houston, Sam Houston. Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin, yeah. 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 It's, so it's, uh, it's a gauntlet getting. for sure. Uh, in WAC Volleyball, we started a conference play this past week, Chris, and right off the bat, a rematch of last year's WAC championship between New Mexico State and Utah Valley. Match was played at Utah Valley. New Mexico State coming out on top, and the Aggies look like the Aggies of old, if you will. They're 11-3. and They start off a WAC play 2-0. and Yeah. Uh, Mike Jordan at New Mexico State had that match circled in the fattest red marker he could <laughs> find from when the schedule came out. Um, that was a, a match that I know that they really wanted, and and, and you know, frankly, they look good. They've looked good all year. They're eleven and three on the year, two and zero in whack play. 
Um, they're right there. They've won eight straight, six and zero on neutral courts. Like they're the Aggies are for real, and it you know they've been for real for a while. But um, this Aggie team went against a good Utah Valley team. Yeah, and, a and team that is. That's not a the Utah Valley team is a solid team. Utah Valley beat Hawaii already this right, year. Right, right. Yeah. So. It's not a well, you know, Utah Valley had a good year last year, and and maybe now Lost they're everybody. down. Yeah, no, they're, they're, yeah. they're a great, great team. So, um, New Mexico State going in there and getting a win uh, was big. I, you know, I think Grand Canyon going in and getting a win at Utah Valley and, was and big for the Lopes. It, as, it was and, as and, they've been trying to build up their program. And GCU that first night, so on opening uh, Thursday night at Dixie, GCU went in with an eight and one record. Dixie was one and seven, and the Trailblazers sweep the Lopes. It was. Uh, uh, kind of caught everybody by surprise there, but just goes to show you in in whack volleyball, you know, never take anybody lightly, and and everybody can rise to the occasion. And we, we haven't had a chance to see too much of the Southwest Division yet. There was only one match uh, this past week, so West Division starting a little bit sooner. But also Chicago State getting a win on the road at Seattle U. That's not something that's been typical of the Cougars, especially the last four or five years. No, I've watched the Cougars play on ESPN Plus a couple times this year, and, and they're a solid program. You know, are they going to compete for the top spot? I don't know. That that might be a little bit of a stretch. Are they going to be competing for a spot at the WAC tournament? Absolutely. They're right there. And, and you know, we've talked about the West Division a lot. Looking at the Southwest Division, we haven't seen a whole lot of them, but looking at the standings here, four of the six teams are 500 or above in, 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 non-conference. in the season. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, these are some solid volleyball programs and 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 seeing how they compete and seeing how they come together. I, I think it's going to be a really fun tournament in, in November, which is going to be down in Aggieland, down in Las <laughs> Cruces, at, at eight-team tournament there at, at Pan American. Um, you're going to see some battles there. And, and you know, we I, I will admit I'm not as, as uh, in-depth in where volleyball is in terms of rankings and RPIs, but... You know, look, just looking at this and just knowing the past, you know, maybe maybe this is a year we're looking at two bits. Maybe it is. And, the, you know, we've talked about with the addition of the four Texas schools this year, Southern Utah coming in next year, helping so many of our sport, all of our sports that obviously that they entered and volleyball, uh, definitely one of those sports as well. Men's soccer, uh, we had a big matchup at GCU this past weekend. Uh, the Lopes entertaining Seattle U. These are two teams that have competed for the WAC championship the last several years. A one nothing game uh, comes down to the end, and unfortunately, the goalkeeper, uh, Rafael Guerrero, for GCU, uh, suffers an injury with uh, under a minute to go. Uh, they, they had to have the, the ambulance come out, and last uh, I read, Chris, is that he's doing better, uh, but definitely a scary situation there. Want to wish all the best uh, for Guerrero and his family, and, and hopefully he comes back and it, it, everything's good there. But uh, just one of those things you never know when something like that can happen. Yeah, it was such a great matchup until that point. And even right then, you see the play and you see it so many times. And and uh, those of us that, that, that work in sports, whenever you see both players from both teams immediately calling for the yeah. trainer, your yeah. heart just kind of stops. Um, you know, luckily – uh, you know, luckily he seems to be okay. I don't know what the prognosis is on a return and, and where we're at with that. But like Eric said, you know, we wish him the best in his recovery. Uh, he had a really good match up until that Unbelievable point. Unbelievable match. And I, I was watching it uh, live, Chris, and 
Uh, actually, our whack top play of the week was, was one of the saves he had just maybe two minutes before the injury happened, right. and it was an unbelievable leaping, you know, and, and it would have been a goal, and I, I think they hit one off the crossbar uh, around that time. I mean, Seattle U was buzzing the tower, as they say. They were getting a lot of good shots on goal, and, and Raphael's a very aggressive goalkeeper. He's only a freshman, right? Uh, but he he made no bones about running out into traffic and trying to grab the ball, and unfortunately that's how he got injured. Right, and, you know, I want to give a shout-out to, to uh, Seattle U as well and, and head coach Pete Fewing there. And, you know, all this happened. I think there were about 40 seconds left. Yep. Anybody who was watching saw both teams, officials, everybody, everybody watching at home in the stadium everywhere was highly affected by this, and especially when you see the ambulance come on. And the Red Hawks said, you know what, no, none of us – are in the place to finish this match. Mm-hmm. It's yours. Which, yeah, I mean, Which, that's, uh, that's sportsmanship. Right it there. is 100. Um, and and anybody who's had a chance to ever talk to Pete Fewing and and been around that Red Hawk program um, knows that that's something that that they would do. Um, but like you said, they were peppering. They were on there, and mm-hmm. especially if you're going to get 40 seconds with a keeper backup, yeah. backup goalkeeper, yeah. and you just need one goal. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's yeah. tough to give up, but. And, and, uh, and also what the emotional state of GCU, GCU probably GCU, absolutely, there. absolutely. So kudos to Seattle U on that. There's still a lot of soccer left to be played um, through through the rest of the season. And kind of looking at some other games, I think there was, you know, Grand Canyon's been nationally ranked for most of the year. Super, super proud of, of the Lopes there as they um, really have cemented themselves as a top 25 program. There's two teams, though, that, that have really surprised me this year, and that's California Baptist and Utah Valley. California Baptist has been there on their way up, but I feel like they've really taken a big step up this year. And I think that they could be – they are a top 25 team. I just don't think the voters know it yet. Yeah, now Brian Eliohans, our uh, offensive player of the week, had a hat trick against UNLV. So that tells you how good – After he had two goals on Monday at St. <laughs> Thomas. Yeah. So five goals on the week. Yeah, and CBU um, – Again, not eligible for the NCAA tournament yet, but we're seeing, we saw it last year in women's basketball where they, they made that next step and they, they were able to win the conference. CBU seems to be a, taking that sort of a step in men's soccer as well. I think they're right there, and I think they're in a situ- in an area in Southern California where there's there's plenty of athletes. And, and they have a lot of international athletes, and they and they recruit around the globe, but being another successful men's soccer program in Southern California is going to be huge for them uh, in, in attracting talent and getting those players. And it's a snowball effect that once you start getting those players, you get better, you start getting better players. And it just all of a sudden you're winning a national title. And, and uh, men's soccer is one of those sports on the national stage that it's not unusual for a quote unquote smaller school, mid-major, whatever word you want to use to become relevant. You've seen it with Akron. We've mm-hmm. seen it with Denver. We've seen it with a lot of programs. And we've seen Seattle U have a lot of success. Uh, we've seen the Air Force Academy have a lot of success. Uh, back in the day, we saw SMU have a lot of success mm-hmm. in the WAC. So uh, CBU is presenting themselves very well um, to, to be that program in the future. And you know Utah Valley, uh, they have head coach Kyle Beckerman in his first year after starring for uh, Real Salt Lake. He's got him 4-1-2. and two. That one loss is to, by the way, the number two team <laughs> in the country, Washington, in overtime, right. in a 
game that anybody who watched, I know I'm looking at it through whack colored glasses, <laughs> but anybody who watches that matches will say Utah Valley was the better team. They dominated that game. They just weren't able to get that extra goal. Um, it was about as even a game as could there could be. Uh, and Washington played Utah Valley and Seattle U that week because right. they did the, the WAC travel partner trip there. And they've got overtime wins against two against teams. Against both teams. So, um, you know, unfortunately, we were on the losing end of both of those. But uh, I, kudos to our teams going up against the best and, and playing them hard. In women's soccer, we also saw a hat trick, Chris, from GCU's uh, Gianna Gorley. And uh, she uh, is our WAC ticket smarter uh, offensive Player of the Week. She had the hat trick against Dixie State. The, the, the thing to note here, Chris, she did the hat trick in four minutes. I, I, mean, I don't think I've ever seen somebody score three goals in a four-minute time span. Why did it take her so long? <laughs> uh, you know, that, that reminds me. There was a – I can't remember who the golfers are, but um, at our golf tournament last year when I was doing scoring, and, I, and I'd seen that um, – Somebody had gotten an eagle on one of the holes because it was windy. I was like, oh, hey, congratulations. And he was like, yeah, look at my partner's card. He got an albatross. So I was like, well, why didn't you get that? Like, why <laughs> did you only get an eagle instead of an albatross? So it's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, it, it, that's tremendous. And I guess when you're on, you're on. And uh, congratulations to her. Congratulations to the GCU program. Chris Sissel, uh, who we knew at Kansas City. Um, when they were a member of the WAC and, and saw what he was able to do there in building the program. And now that he's down in Phoenix and has a beautiful stadium to play at and a little bit better, better weather uh, to recruit <laughs> to than Kansas City. I don't know about food. Kansas City might. Well, pretty good food at Kansas City. I mean, Phoenix has some good stuff too, but there's pretty good food in Kansas City. But, uh, you know, Chris Sissel's done a tremendous job um, down at GCU and, and rebuilding that program and getting them up to really at a, a similar level to where their men are at. Um, and it's a lot tougher on the women's side because a lot of the so so-called uh, Power Five schools offer women's soccer. Maybe they don't offer men's soccer, and that's the opportunity for our schools to get in. And um, but you know, Grand Canyon, they keep doing what they're doing, and they start being competitive with some of those teams. Um, they're going to end up with powerhouse there again, like some of those mid-majors, like Santa Clara, that we've seen. That it doesn't take a whole lot. Um, to, to get to that point, and I think GCU could do that if they needed to. And uh, c congratulations to Coach Sissel, career win number 400 in that win over Dixie State. So uh, he's he's been doing it for a long time and, and continues to win now at GCU. And at Gianna Gorley, uh, just a quick note on her, because I, I was looking up uh, some highlights and, and to see where she came from. She actually transferred from Iowa. She played at Iowa this past year and, you know, played for the Hawkeyes, wasn't uh, – coming off the bench so uh, look for her to make a continue to make an impact in WAC women's soccer and, and like in volleyball we we had uh, conference play start this past week and we had a lot of matches uh, right off the bat so between the southwest division west division it's uh, you know only a match or two in but you're starting to see some some teams uh, to look out for yeah, you know, it, it's too early again to call and say, oh, somebody had a win in the opening weekend. That's a clear favorite to right. win that division. But uh, it is. And, and I think one thing that we saw is that it's going to be a competitive season. Most of these scores, if you look at it, they're 1-0, they're 2-0, they're, they're scoreless ties, they're 2-1. There's only a few matches that were more than a couple goals differential. So these are going to be – those are matches that anybody can win that it goes one bounce here or there, and all of a sudden it's either a loss goes to a tie or a tie goes to a win or 
whatever, whatever it is that, that, that stuff happens very, very quickly. So, um, I think in all of our sports, it's, it's just exciting that everything is so tight. It's so competitive. It's not any of these things like, all right, well, it's over. This team's just going to cruise. It's exciting, and, and I think we'll re- that will really pay off once we get to tournament time in November. Utah Valley played GCU uh, to a 0-0 tie. That was our, our first match of the season. Uh, Utah Valley, the defending WAC champions uh, from the tournament. Seattle U uh, dropping their first matchup to California Baptist one to nothing, and that's uh, CBU's kind of had their number the past couple of years. I know Seattle U, I think, ran the table a few years back, and C- uh, CBU was the only team to, to get them. Yeah, CBU's a good team. I think they've been a good team the whole time that they've been in the WAC. And, and Seattle U, even though they're 0-1, don't be going out there shouting that the Red Hawks are done. That's still <laughs> a very good soccer team. That's a team that beat Washington State, uh, which is a pretty good Pac-12 team in Pullman earlier this year. Um, it just happened to be that California Baptist had one extra goal, and, and they won that game. Uh, you know, it was a one nothing game. It was one of those tight games that, again, at one bounce, Either way, there's probably 30 seconds of action in that game that all of a sudden it's a one nothing Seattle U win. And on the Southwest Division, uh, Lamar, Abilene, Christian, Stephen F. Austin, all 1-0, uh, UTRGV 1-1, had a tough uh, game at Abilene Christian with 3-2 in overtime. So the Wildcats uh, coming out on top in that one in a uh, you know big early season matchup in division. Right. We also saw Lamar and Abilene Christian play to a scoreless tie as well, and those are the two teams Sitting atop the table in the Southwest Division, obviously the tournament's going to be at Abilene Christian this year. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I know there's probably a little uh, uh, extra uh, oomph for the, the Wildcats to try to uh, make sure that they're a part of that tournament field. But just being able to play on their own field, you know, if they're competitive and they get a good seed. Um, I, I think a lot of folks maybe look at the West Division as a stronger division, but if everybody's coming to to Abilene, Texas, and Abilene's well rested, they've had their feet up while everybody else is traveling. You know, maybe that's a team that that that's going to give somebody fits. Well, coming up next, actually, I wanted to get, uh, let people know we have a, a show called Whack Football Friday. Uh, comes out uh, incidentally on Fridays. Chris. Wow, uh, you that's know, amazing, <laughs> and it uh, previews the week ahead. Uh, we had an interview with Coach Casey Keeler from Sam Houston, and we're going to play that next on the WAC Podcast. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference, and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to WAC Football Friday. Eric Danner now joined by Casey Keeler, the head coach at Sam Houston. Coach, welcome to the show. Eric, thank you. Doing great. How's, how's it going with you? Do, doing great, Coach. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. I know a very busy week uh, for you guys with the Battle of the Piney Woods. Before we get to that, kind of give me an assessment of how your team's looking so far this year. 3-0, and number one in the country. I can't imagine a lot of things you'd want to fix, but uh, I, I know coaches are a little different that way. You know, we, we played Central Arkansas last week, and, and I told the team uh, post, you know, post game, I said, if you'd have told me we were going to beat Central Arkansas in Conway by 10, you know, I would have been jumping up and down. You know, I mean, we're three and six all time on the stripes. Um, they're usually a great football team, and it's always a tough place to play. And, you know, so we should be excited. We beat them by 10, but we just played a little sloppy, gave up a touchdown at the end of the half, touchdown at the end of the game, you know, inside the five twice. 
uh, where we, you know, Swaggle in the called in the wrong play and for first and goal from the one now becomes a second and five for the five. We have to kick a field goal. So it's a game that we thought we should have won made by 30. And that's that's pretty impressive against as good a football team as, as Central Arc. So we, we have a talented football team. But my disappointment was we just didn't play clean enough. Um, and that's been constant, the constant theme. I said, I don't think we lose a whole lot of games if we play clean. And so we need to clean some of those things up. So happy with where we are, 3 and 0. Um, you know, had to go on the road to Northern Arizona, play at the altitude uh, to start the season off. And, uh, you know, Southeast Missouri State's a good, solid football team. Uh, got them at our place. So I think, you know, we played three competitive teams, and I like how we fared so far. Coach, I know when we talked to you back at the WAC football preview, you wanted to have some built-in buys, and you, you have had a buy this uh, so far this season. And part of that was because of playing in the spring. It, se it seemed like you guys had – quite a spring in your step after that bye week this this past week against Central Arkansas. Oh, and it was a physical game too. I think we really needed that bye going into Central Arkansas because, you know, it, it was a lot of hitting going on in that game. And then we get home at, you know, four in the morning uh, or five in the morning from, from, from that long bus trip. And fortunately, thank you to Central Arkansas. We played the game at four, not at six. And that was, you know, I mean, we, we try to work with each other. And that's the great thing about college football. You know, you, everyone wants a home field advantage, but at the same time, if you can work with the team and they were scheduled for six o'clock and they understood us getting back so late would put us in harm's way. And so they moved it to four. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, um, it, it's a great group I have coming back. And I think we've kind of, kind of just taken up from where we left off. Um, and, you know, my whole thing is just trying to keep us, you know, moving forward, trying to play cleaner. On paper, Eric, I think we're as good, if not better, than we were last year. Um, the whole key is trying to limit some of those mistakes uh, that we've made early in the season and try to play cleaner. Because later in the season, in a weekend like this against you know, SFA, a rivalry game, they'll come in back and bite you pretty bad if you don't play clean. Yeah, well, one of those guys looking good on paper and in person is quarterback Eric Schmidt, our ticket smarter offensive player of the week. Coach, we knew he was a great runner, but I've but watched all your games so far this year. He's got quite an arm too. He's, he's quite a quarterback. He really does. You know, when we got him, you know, a lot of people were, were recruiting him as a wide receiver. And we said, no, we're taking him as a quarterback. And, and we knew he was a magician when he got out on the edge with his ability to pull the ball down and run and throw from all different angles and, and throwing right, throwing left. It doesn't really bother him. The thing that he's done along with working with my offensive coordinator, Ryan Cardi, is he's become a better pocket passer. And that was the difference last year for him, becoming a better pocket passer. I think he's even moved it to a higher level this year already. So, you know, we knew there was going to be some progression with him. We knew that you're going to get an elite athlete on the edge, be able to throw and, and, and run. But now could you also make him a pocket passer? And I think we've done that, especially with the athletes, Eric, that we can put on the perimeter. You know, Jaquez Azard, uh, Ife Day, um, Cody Crest. I mean, we got some wide receivers that are really pretty special. Then you take a guy like Noah Smith and can bring him out of the backfield. I mean, you know, there's a lot of weapons there. And, you know, Eric has really learned how to go through his reads, understand the progressions. And if it's not there, the great thing is, you know, he pulls it down and, and gets positive yards. Coach Geeler, it's also not bad when he can turn around and hand the ball off to Ramon Jefferson. He has 400 yards in the first three games, top five in the nation, only having played three games in rushing. He, he seems to have taken another step this year as well. He has. And, and you know, I, I think um, if you look at the yards per carry, he probably is number one in the country. I mean, you know, we really have not 
overloaded him workload wise because we we use uh, uh, Noah Smith a whole lot also. But uh, the, the unique thing with Ramon is, I mean, he's a north south kid that can stop in a dime, make a move, and get right back to 100, you know, 100 speed uh, in in a couple steps. So not only can he run over you, he can make you miss, and then when he gets in the second level, he's a guy that can run away from you. So great having a home run threat every time he touches the ball. Uh, every every game he has at least one or two big runs, those 15 to 25 yard uh, explosive plays that you need in your run game. And, uh, you know, he's been one of the, the great um, stories of this early, early uh, fall season so far, how well he's played. Doesn't surprise us at all, but maybe surprise some people around the country. Well, another great story coming up this Saturday, Coach, the Battle of the Piney Woods, the oldest college rivalry in the state of Texas. We talked a little bit about it at the WAC Football Preview Day, but tell us what, what this is like. What does this mean for Sam Houston when you line up against Stephen F. Austin? Yeah, you know, I always tell the story that when I first got here, they, you know, told me a little bit about this SFA game and they were purple. We don't like purple. And, you know, okay. And I remember very vividly walking off the field that very first year with Bobby Williams. And I was like, you didn't do this game justice. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> I mean, you can feel the energy in the stadium. Our fans do not like their fans. Our alums do not like their alums. Our players do not like for, for, Four hours on a Saturday afternoon, it's pretty intense now. Um, but we have great respect for them. Uh, it, it's, you know, so many commonalities and so many crossovers in terms of, you know, the kids we recruit, um, you know, alums that work in the business world or in the, the education world. I mean, they're, they're all making bets with each other, you know. So uh, it's a lot of fun. And, and it's a great game. It'll be a great crowd. Uh, and if they're not nationally ranked, they should be nationally ranked because they've come – They've had a great start to the season. And, uh, I mean, Colby's done a great job with that program. Yeah, SFA comes in with a 3-1 and one record. They're only lost to Texas Tech in a game, arguably, that they could have won. What have you seen on game film from the Lumberjacks, Coach? Yeah, really aggressive defensively. I mean, to a level that I can't – I mean, you're thinking Buddy Ryan years in terms of aggressive. They will come after you. Now, they will misfit a run, and, you know, you can pop a big one on them every now and then. But their mindset is they're going to get to you more than you get to them. So really impressed with that. Special teams have been really impressive, too. I mean, I just love how hard they play in special teams. That kickoff coverage team is really impressive. And that's I love to watch those kind of things because you kind of get a feel for, you know, the mentality of the program. They have a great quarterback. And, you know, they lost some running backs, so I think that's hurt their running game a little bit. But they do such a great job with their screen game. So it's not all, okay, hey, we can't run the ball on you. We're going to force the ball downfield. Because most people struggle running against us just with how good our defensive front is and how we are designed as a defense. It's typically a take, take the run away first, try to make you one-dimensional. But they will find creative ways in their screen game to like, okay, we might not be able to run the ball at you, but we're not going to sit there trying to throw the ball deep on you all day. We're going to kind of dink and dunk you different ways. So they're really well coached. I think, I think um, Colby's got in their head a culture – uh, and, and this is a game I know they're really excited about, just like our kids are really excited about. With the game being at Energy Stadium in Houston, home of the Houston Texans, how does your routine change this week, Coach? Do you change anything at all? Obviously, there's a lot more hype around it. You're probably doing more interviews, those kind of things. But how does the routine change? Well, you know, just sometimes there's some reminders for the players. Like I told about social media. I said, listen, I said, supposedly some guy's tweeting at me. I have no idea. 
<laughs> I have no idea. I don't check. I don't look. I don't care. That's not the world I live in. I will, I'm trying. I'm a football coach. I'm trying to. I'm trying to go win a football game. I'm not worried about tweeting and doing that nonsense. So I think sometimes it's just the head coach has to remind them, like, don't get caught up with the minutia. And you can get caught up with the minutia in a game like this. And I think that's, you know, what SFA wants to kind of draw us into, and we're not going to be drawn into it. So, you know, we've talked to our kids about social media. We've talked to them about how when they make a play, they go find their teammates because it's so easy. There's going to be so much talking going on. There's a lot of chippiness. You can easily get caught up in the moment and all of a sudden you put yourself in harm's way and there's a 15-yard penalty. And, and, and one play can change a game. And one drive can, you know, be the difference between up by three or down by four. You know, so you can't, you can't have that play that extends someone's drive or stops you from driving the ball. And so we talk a lot about just, you know, going and playing the game and just enjoy the atmosphere, but let's not get caught up with the nonsense that sometimes can happen in a rivalry game. Coach, with the COVID this past year and SFA played in the fall, of course, you played in the spring and won the national championship there. No game last year. Is there more anticipation this year maybe than the, the other games that you faced against Stephen F. Austin? Yeah, I don't know if you can bring any more anticipation to this game. I just don't know if it's possible. Even if we're 4-0, they're 0-4, they're vice versa. We're 0-4 and they're 4-0. I mean, it's just the nature of this game. And again, it's just because the alums and, and the, the players on the rosters, they all know each other. And it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's the oldest rivalry in the state of Texas. And uh, like I said, when you're on that sideline, you can feel the energy coming from the, the stands in terms of uh, how important this game is for each university. So it's awesome playing in games like that. And I'm excited for our players to have a, a NFL atmosphere in terms of, you know, you've got a, such a great facility. The Texans take care of us uh, like this, a bowl game. And uh, it could be a great crowd there and you're playing a great opponent. So this is what college football is all about right here. We can't wait to see it, Coach. It's going to be 4 o'clock Central Time. Valleys on the uh, in the Houston area and then ESPN Plus around the country. We can't wait to watch it. Thanks for taking some time out, Coach. Good luck this week. Thanks so much, Eric. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at waxsports.com.